Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in. How do you listen to the show? Over the air on AM850, online at kfuo.org, or as a podcast? No matter how you connect, I'm glad you're here. Settle in, get ready to open your Bible. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is underwritten by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about how they serve God's church at lhfmissions.org. Now, if you have questions or comments about today's show, or maybe you just want to say hi, you can email me at pastorboo at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. Yesterday in chapter 7, we heard as St. Paul spoke of our sinful flesh and how our old selves keep us from following the law as we should. He wrote, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Today, we turn the page in Romans to chapter 8, the first 17 verses, and the apostle begins this section with an exceptional statement of gospel. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What wonderful good news. What an amazing way to begin our study today. So to help us understand how that's possible and what it means to be an heir with Christ, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show regular guest, the Reverend John Lukomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, also on KFUO Radio. You can hear Wrestling with the Basics on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pastor Lukomsky, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, and, and Pastor Boo, I tell you what, I, I yesterday I was actually down in St. Louis, went back to my home there in New Athens, Illinois, but today I'm back up here with you in Minnesota, and let me tell you, you are blessed to be in Minnesota, at least in this time of the year, because it was hot. It was still really hot. <laughs> oh, right now it there. is absolutely beautiful in Minnesota. We can't beat it. No, well, they tell me you had it was in the seventies the whole week I was gone. So, <laughs> well, this go. is the uh, this is the few weeks of the year where Minnesota is absolutely perfect, and then uh, it's just got done being hot. It might get hot a little bit more before it gets very, very cold, as you know. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's right. It will get very, very cold. How are you doing? This is your second week now doing the show. You're getting settled in and everything. Yeah, it is. You know, we've we've worked out some of the ghosts and goblins in the machine. You know, when you were first on my very first show, oh, we had such a trouble with it. But I think we've gotten everything fixed with the Holy Spirit's blessing. So, yeah, things are going well. I've been very much enjoying meeting and talking, at least over the air, with new pastors, hearing from listeners as they write in. And really just having this dedicated time to study God's word. You know, a lot of people may not think about this. Pastors are certainly in private Bible devotion, but a lot of our study of the Bible tends to be for someone else. That is, we're studying for a sermon or we're studying for a Bible study. But this gives me the opportunity, even outside of of home devotions, to interact with pastors and to listen to, uh, you know, listen to God's word. 
for myself. So I actually find it exciting in that regard. Well, and you know, you're going to, you're going to interact with some really, really great, great pastors. There's just a fine assembly of people uh, that, that are part of this Bible study. And, and then, like you said, I, there are no better listeners than there are listeners to KFO. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> if you had oh, to yeah, choose a body a of radio listeners, KFO radio listeners are the ones you want to choose. So yeah, you, you're going to, you're going to get a big kick out of this. Uh, well, and, and, you know, just another thought, too, I, I, like you yeah. said, we do Bible study for our own uh, edification and the strength of our faith. But but maybe that's kind of a thing to remember for all of us, pastor or not. When we study the word, take take that in so that you can be encouraging and comforting the, the people that are around you as well. So, Well, I think with you on the show today, we definitely have one of those excellent pastors that uh, you just mentioned. So I tell you what, before well, there, we really dive in— There are a few in, of us that slip by. We just slipped <laughs> in, and I don't know why they haven't gotten rid of us yet, but you know. <laughs> well, well, we'll test that metal today with our study. But before we begin, um, I'm going to ask you once again, would you please open us with prayer? Oh, Lord, you know, there's this whole study you've given us, this wonderful book of Romans, which in some ways is so difficult and so highly theological, more than probably any other book. And yet it has these wonderful things that we're going to have today. Oh, and Lord, tomorrow, even better things about never being separated from your love. But help us to open our hearts and minds to see the need for and to rejoice in the great blessings you're going to give us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, indeed. But you know, today is a great text, too. You know, there's so much gospel in Romans chapter 8. The very first verse is an extremely strong declaration of gospel, but it's also worth unpacking. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, up through verse 8, and then that'll get us started. Here we go. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free, free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And he continues with, you, however, but we'll get there. So back to 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Once again, with Paul, it's hard to divide up these chapters because this is one letter, and he's building this uh, wonderful argument one one uh, one thing upon another. So we've kind of split it here. It's been split there since the Middle Ages, but— Lead lead us up to understanding, like, where has he been and where is he going? And uh, let's just get started. Let's just dive in. 
Okay. So, and, and that's, boy, uh, Pastor Boo, that's such an important point. Because if, if you don't know what he said before, you, you could very well misunderstand what's being said here. Uh, in fact, because of our sinful flesh, uh, we would look at this passage and we would draw two conclusions. One is that the world apparently is divided between the people who are of the flesh and the people who are of the spirit. Uh, whereas actually, you no, know, Paul's talking about what's going on in us. That this is a struggle that goes within us. There is flesh and there is spirit, and that's going on. Um, and then the other thing is that we would think, oh, okay, uh, he's telling us we need to make a choice now. That's what it's all about. We have to make a decision. Are we going to be uh, in the flesh? Are we going to be in the spirit? Although if, if you remember what's been said before, of course, Paul has emphasized, no, 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 there, there really isn't a choice you can make here. Uh, in fact, as far as the flesh stuff is, and we're going to see that emphasized again in these verses, uh, uh, Paul said, you know, I wanted to do good, but I couldn't. <laughs> I, I just found myself doing the evil, and, and the evil I didn't want to do, I found myself doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? No, that, that's the whole point. There is no choice when it comes to the flesh. If, if you think you're going to overcome your flesh by just trying harder or making up your mind, I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, man, are you going to be uh, find yourself in trouble? Because, no, the flesh is the one that is controlling. It's the one that would make us slaves to sin. But the same thing with the Spirit, see? Uh, you got to go all the way back to chapter 6, that beautiful baptism passage. And, and, and I can remember Dr. Walter A. Meyer. He was one of my, my profs there at, at Springway. And, and he emphasized that, that this is, Paul's making a statement of fact of the way it is uh, when he says in Romans 6 that baptism has united you with Jesus Christ in his death. And if you're united with him in his death, you will be united with him in his resurrection, which is simply to say that when you are baptized, God has given you the Spirit, and now you are a person of the Spirit. Uh, that's, that's how it is. And again, that's not a choice. <laughs> you don't choose to have that Spirit, but God uh, gives you that Spirit when he gives you Christ, because you can't have Christ. You can't be united with Christ without his Spirit. And the summons substance of everything I just rambled on about is, mm -hmm. as you said, that very first verse, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As long as you keep your focus on that, on Christ, on the fact that in Christ we are saved, we're forgiven, we have eternal life, salvation, whatever word you want to use, then you'll be okay. You'll be okay. It's when you get off of that statement, then the flesh is going to creep back in, and the flesh is again going to start taking control. And, and he's going to give us a very powerful illustration here why you don't want the flesh. <laughs> because, well, we'll look at some of the details. Does, does any of that make any sense, though? Oh, no, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking, you know, in Second Corinthians, Paul tells us, you know, the, the for the letter kills, but the spirit Gives life, And we think about that for verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. We've heard this language from Paul before about comparing the law of Christ to the law of sin, death, or the old law. So when we think about law, we think about things that we have to do. So the law of the spirit of life, if we just look at that in that language of law or earlier, the law of Christ, it kind of sounds like they're, that Christ is the new Moses. There's some law that we have to follow. And I've actually heard that in my travels uh, and in my own heritage, uh, interpreted as one must make this decision, just as you pointed out. You know, you have before you these two choices, being of the flesh and being of the spirit. 
need to choose to be of the Spirit. And even though we're not there yet, but verse 7, which we just heard, says that the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. People in the flesh cannot please God. So we have this, not quite a paradox, but we have this sort of misunderstanding that's out there that we must somehow make a decision for Christ, choose Jesus, ask him into his our heart, however we define that. But then the Bible is very clear that our old selves cannot seek after God. How do we make sense of this language of law of spirit of life versus, of course, the law of sin and death? Well, well, I think I think the key thing is right there in verse two, where he says, "For the law of the spirit." And and, and again, Paul's having fun here. He's he's doing a little wordplay with us, and Paul loves to do that uh, because we have the law of God, which again is the Ten Commandments. The uh, and that's a good thing. That's what we should follow. We we should be obedient to that. But but now he's using the word law in terms of as a, as a principle, an operating system, as it were. Yeah, we're familiar with that term, the iOS. As it were, <laughs> okay. So, so you have the operating system of the law, and, and that's sin, and that's death. But isn't it interesting? That the operating system of the spirit is freedom. It sets you free, uh, and, and it's really true uh, that that once you have the Holy Spirit, I, I look. I, I'm going to do some loving things today. I hope, and and I think I will. But, but here's the interesting thing. I'm not going to do those loving things today because there's any law that told me to do that. Um, I'm right. going to take care of my wife today, but I'm not going to do it because God says, well, you know, you're supposed to love your wife. Uh, but I'm going to do it because, well, I, I love my wife and, and I want to love my wife. And, and well, yeah, it is what God told me to do. And I want to do what God told me to do. Where, whereas the flesh, see, the flesh is going to do one of two things. The flesh is going to say, well, I guess I have to love my wife because that's what I was told to do, which is kind of the, the action of a, of a slave, right? Not of a free man. Mm-hmm. Or the law will say, well, yeah, I'm going to love my wife because then, you know what, she'll be nice to me. Who knows what my wife might do for me if I love my wife? See, which again, that's kind of a slave thing, isn't it? Isn't that what slaves right. do? They they do what their masters ask them because, well, then I'll get some reward for it. So, so, so you're right. Paul is kind of detailing all the differences. And one of the key differences is that in the spirit, we no longer do things because we feel obligated to do them. We, we do it because, well, it's, it's what we want to do. It's, why wouldn't we do that? That's a good thing to do, see? It's totally a thing of freedom. Now, of course, even as I'm saying that, uh, uh, Pastor Boo, I, I understand we're still in the flesh, so, so we'll never experience that purely. Well, maybe we will on occasion, but pr- trust me, it won't be long, and that flesh will be back in saying, well, no, you've got to do this. Quit doing that for freedom. <laughs> You're required <laughs> to do that. Uh, uh, but but anyway, that that not that one of the wonderful differences that we actually love people because we love people, not because right. there's anything forcing us to do that. We love because Christ first loved us, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So in verse 3, um, I think there's another – there's room for more misunderstanding because it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Now, the misunderstanding isn't in that verse. The misunderstanding comes from this concept that Christ coming, his fulfilling of the law, was sort of a plan B. That Christ came because, well, God had set out the law and we just couldn't keep it, and therefore he had to come up with some other plan. Now, we know that Christ's coming 
goes all the way back to Genesis, um, especially Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. But we see here from Paul something explicit, that the law could not do this. And more literally, it's it was impossible. It's an impossible thing of the law to condemn sin. So so help us help the listeners understand that Christ was not a plan B, but rather the, the law has never been able, never been able to save us. That was never its purpose. So so the thing is, uh, and, and Paul talked about this earlier, uh, that it's not that the law is bad. Remember, that's again what he talked about. Why, why right. do we have the law? Well, to make us conscious of sin. That's what the law does. Oh, well, then maybe we shouldn't have the law. Well, no, Paul says it's not that the law wasn't good. The law is holy, uh, right? It is a good thing to, to, to not murder, to not kill, to not steal. It is a good thing, certainly, to, to pray to the Lord, uh, to listen to God, uh, to, to love his word. Those are all good things. No one's denying that. But as he says here, and again, you're right, uh, Pastor Boo, he's just following up what he just got through saying. The good I wanted to do, I couldn't. And the evil I wanted to do, I did. The flesh can't do it. It just can't do it. Uh, probably at the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, that that's, is how it was done. But again, they didn't think of it as a law. They just did it because it's what they wanted to do. But ever since they went against that law, uh, it's not been that way anymore. Original sin has totally changed how we are. And uh, you're, you're right. That the law never could do that, and 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 you know I think that's the thing too. I, I, God knew that from the beginning, didn't He? He knew from the beginning right. that that when He gave Him the commandments, He knew what they were going to do. But that was okay because He He wanted to understand that that all things are fulfilled um, by faith, and that faith is again that there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. When we talk about Jesus and him coming, being God incarnate in the flesh, uh, that incarnate word, I always tell the catechumens, I say, think of chili con carne, right? With meat. <laughs> here's, here's God incarnate with meat. He's enfleshed. Paul doesn't say, though, that he sent his own son in flesh. He says in the likeness of sinful flesh. That can't be a, uh, a, an accident. He's emphasizing something. What is he emphasizing? Certainly not that Jesus had any sin of his own. Well, no, and that's the point. That's why he has to use the word likeness there, because actually Jesus right. is in the flesh flesh. I mean, he's exactly uh, like us in terms of being totally, absolutely human. That There's nothing about our humanity that he did not share, which, of course, is what makes him unique amongst all the other gods out there. Uh, but but no, the, the sinful flesh, no, not that's just the likeness. Uh, that that's not he well because what's it say he was like us in every way except without right. sin <laughs> that's that's the whole thing there uh, uh, and, and of course he, he's doing that because now he's and this is really a difficult concept for people to understand but in a sense he is the worst sinner that ever existed isn't he he is because he took all of our sins upon us they weren't his sins. Right. Uh, he had all of our sins upon us. And in the end, he's going to be treated just the way you and I should be treated. We had that passage, too, already, didn't we? That the wages of sin is death, mm -hmm. uh, which, by the way, is why we're going to die, because we're still in the flesh. 
uh, as I get older, that's the thing I keep reminding myself because I'm, I'm seeing all the effects of ages. The eyes are going out. Uh, both of my shoulders uh, are, are messed up. And, and uh, you know, the mind isn't quite what it is. And I keep thinking, well, yeah, okay, well, that makes perfect sense because I am still in, quote, unquote, the sinful flesh. And and unlike some people who think that it's going to get better if I just work harder, you know, no, my flesh is just as sinful and lustful and angry and selfish as it ever was. <laughs> Maybe there was a point I thought it would get better, but my flesh has not improved <laughs> a lick. So I guess it's what Paul says. It's going to have to die. That's that's is the way of the flesh. But at the same time, see, there's that that comfort to know that the, the sinfulness of the flesh, though that's been taken care of by Jesus Christ, who has uh, condemned sin in the flesh, and and now He's given me the Spirit, and all things are different. I I, I will die, but I will live. Um, well, anyway, yeah, absolutely. You know, Jesus really did take on our sins, and He really was incarnate, and as you said, like us in all of these ways, except He Himself had no sins of his own. You know, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. And he talks about Solomon and he talks about the the flowers of the field and the birds of the air and all these things, these, this beautiful imagery of how, you know, the flowers of the field are arrayed better than Solomon and the, the birds of the air don't, don't have to worry about things. And, you know, sometimes I think, well, Jesus, that's easy for you to say, you know, you, you're God, you know, all things. So yeah, don't worry about it. But, you know, even though we're tempted to think that way, and I certainly am, no, Jesus did express worry. He did have these things. You know, being worried about something, for instance, isn't sinful. But when you worry because of your lack of faith, then you need to seek out that strength that comes from Christ. And so just as when he was tempted in the wilderness, he was really tempted. It wasn't like, oh, that was a breeze for Jesus because, you know, he couldn't be tempted. No, he was tempted, but resisted those temptations on our behalf. And so the same thing here, just as you said, Jesus had taken on all that flesh, all that sin, um, because he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. But for sin, Paul says, he condemns sin in the flesh, that condemnation, taking the punishment, going to the cross. Yeah, our sins were on Jesus. And while it could be very easily misunderstood, you said you know, yeah, Jesus in that way, asterisk, ends up being a very sin-filled person because – the most sin-filled person because he's taken our sins into his perfectness. And and I really appreciate what you said there about Jesus facing all of these things just the way we face them in, in the flesh again. Not the sinful flesh, but in our human fleshliness. I think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating blood and praying, Father, take this cup away from me. If you have any doubt that he's really wrestling with things <laughs> the way that we wrestle with him, or even even more so when he hangs from the cross and says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, but but isn't that the thing, Pastor Buddha? Isn't that what makes Jesus so great? Because Buddha doesn't do that for you. Uh, Muhammad mm-hmm. wouldn't do that for you. Uh, uh, you know, None of those other gods, they, they have no idea what it's like to be human. Uh, but when we're experiencing those kind of stresses and stra- strains and tensions, I just find it so comforting to know, yeah, Jesus knows exactly, exactly what we're going through. And, and, and you know, Jesus just keeps assuring us, I'm going to take care of you. 
There is no condemnation. So if you're worried, if you're anxious, don't whatever you do, don't think, oh my God, now I'm going to be punished because I'm worrying or anxious. As you said, for no, that's that's no sin. Uh, and even though it is the result of our little faith, right? You right. alluded to the business about the uh, uh, the the birds and the flowers, and that's what he says. Oh, ye of little faith. But but then he goes around and says, oh little flock, fear not. Right. It's the Father's good pleasure. He goes, so we know what you're like. We know your little faith. Doesn't change a thing. No need to fear exactly. that because it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that's what Paul is just elucidating here. You are in the Spirit, people. If you've been baptized, you're listening to the word of the Holy Spirit right here, and he's 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 there. Uh, the flesh is still there, too. If we are so painfully aware of that, like Paul said, deliver me from this body of death. But remember the fact. That's the truth. That's the fact. Through Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit, and all these other things are going to be true. In fact, isn't that a beautiful thing? The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So that that's been taken care of. The one thing you don't need to worry about is there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Okay. So there may be other things you need to worry about, but you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> well, and that kind of leads into what he's saying next. You know, one could read Paul and say, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The righteous requirement of the law, you know, is fulfilled in us. Uh, but as you pointed out, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is something for us to do, but the to do for us is not that we have to do this in order to meet the righteous requirements. And it's not so that we can condemn sin. Uh, that's only God's job. And it's not so that we can earn salvation. But there is a response to the faith that God gives us, to the freedom that he gives us. You wouldn't want to say, well, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, and I'm in Christ Jesus, so I can live however I want and not be concerned about what God wants for my life. I mean, obviously, that's not being in Christ Jesus. But then at, at the same time, Paul says, for those who live according to the flesh, do things. They set, they set, they, oh, pardon me, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but not you, right? Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. And he gives us a good reason why. So explain how how Paul is laying out this idea that you being in Christ means that you are saved and freed to now live a life for God, you know, in service to your neighbor and submitting to God's law and how you couldn't do that before. And that's what God gives us. Now, now there's some things that, that, that we need to impact because the English translation here, we're, we're using the ESV, which, which as a general rule, is, is not too bad. And, and I don't know that the other translations are any better. But but they keep putting these words in, in the text that aren't in there. Uh, for example, it says, for those who live. Uh, it does, the, the word live is not in the Greek. Uh, what it simply says is those who are according to the flesh. So, so we're talking about a condition, not an action. Okay, because live sounds like an action, but it's not. It's just that you're either in according to the flesh or you're according to the spirit. Uh, and, and the same thing with this setting their mind. Uh, see, that's a verb, right? Set your mind. But if you actually look it up in the Greek, it's not a verb. Again, it, it's a it's a noun. Actually, it, it's a there are there is a mindset uh, that, that's uh, of the flesh. There is a mindset that is of the spirit. In fact, I was reading in the, the Lutheran Study Bible, and I didn't check this out, but that's a usually a pretty reliable resource that, that there is absolutely, there's not a single imperative 
in this chapter eight. Uh, and an imperative, of course, is, is a command, uh, uh, an order, do this, do that. And, and according to the, the, the English Study Bible, there is, not, there is no imperatives in here at all. Um, and, and the point that, that Jesus is, or Paul is making is the same point that Jesus makes. What you need to have is you have to have a good tree, right? You, you want to do something good? You got to have a good tree, because <laughs> if you got a bad tree, I, I mean, I guess we could tape apples to it or whatever. But you would know that. Well, that's what hypocrisy, isn't it? It's apples that have been taped to the tree, <laughs> but they're not really belong to the tree. They just look like they're good, but it won't be long. They'll turn rotten because there's nothing feeding them. There's no connection, no vine, as it were. Right? Jesus says, "I'm the vine. You have to. You're the branches. You got to be attached to me." Uh, and so that's what Paul's getting at. It, it, you want to you want to do good works. You want and we should do good works. You're absolutely right. Those in the spirit, we don't we don't want to do. Well, that's what Paul said. I don't want to do the bad, but I do. Um, so what we got to do is we got to change the person. We got to change the heart. See, and that's that's the irony in this. Do we want good works? Absolutely. But strangely enough, we can't get them by going after good works. We, we got to do something with the tree. We need to have a good tree. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, Pastor Boo, see, that's the flesh is all about works, isn't it? It's either about works that are going to make me feel good, that are giving me pleasure, right? That's why I want to do those sinful things, because they make me feel good, make my flesh feel good. Are there about works we're going to do so we can impress God and we can earn our way and, and gain our salvation by the things we do? And, and that's the thing, the, the way the Spirit is, is it's just totally different. Uh, the way the Spirit isn't worried about doing good things in order to impress God. Uh, and it certainly isn't worried about just doing the things that make us feel good. It, it's it's about this faith that Christ has done all, that we are righteous in him. And now all of a sudden, what we're going to see in a moment, it's nothing less than a resurrection from the dead. I, I think that's what the problem with most people have. I think most people th know they need to be doing some good things, and they think, well, I'll, I'll just work harder at it. Uh, today I'm going to be different. Today I'm going to get up and I'm really going to try to do some really good things and obey God. But they don't understand that is the way of the flesh. That is the way of the flesh. The way of the Spirit is to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm a damn sinner. And, and man, if, if I let my way go, I'm going to do all kinds. In fact, I will. I can't stop that. But I also know that God loves me. There's no condemnation. I have forgiveness of sins. Uh, and in that, you'll do kinds of works that you would never dream. You wouldn't even think you could do, and you'll just do them. Um, so that's that's the whole point here. What we need yep. is is we need a whole new tree. That's what we and we got that. <laughs> we got that in Jesus Christ. Well, that is uh, some excellent insight, brother. I tell you what, this seems like a good place to take a pause. Dear listener, don't go anywhere. In just a few moments when we return from our break, Pastor Lakomsky and I will continue our discussion of Romans chapter 8. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. 
but they need our help because Good Lutheran Books for Kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. To Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and with me today is the Reverend John Lakomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO. Now, Pastor, before the break, you gave us some great insight into how Paul makes it clear, especially from the original text, that being in the flesh is to be focused on the law of death, but being in the spirit, a gift of God, is about having your mind set on Wonderful things, things, of course, that come only from God, that is life and peace. Brother, we have a few more verses to get to before we hit into the next section. Anything else remaining in these first eight verses that you want to emphasize before we read 9 and through 11? Well, I, I just want to go to that verse 8 again that, that you had mentioned earlier. Those who are in the flesh yes. cannot please God. And and and. and can that's a parallel to what's said in Hebrews eleven six and without faith it's impossible to please him. So so in the flesh is to say I I don't want faith I'm going to do it on my own uh, it's all about me about my works but but no there's no way you'll please God because honestly the flesh you just can't control it you just can't I, I know you think you can but but uh, you know it's interesting in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, the first step is that you turn it all over to God. <laughs> That you admit that I'm out of control. I cannot deal with this. And, and uh, there's not everything we would agree with in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I do think it's interesting. They, they've grasped that, that uh, whatever this thing is we're dealing with, it isn't ours to choose. It isn't ours to control. But but it, that's okay, because we're now going to see the next verse. But we're not in the flesh now. We're in the spirit. Uh, uh, and, and that's the that's what faith is to know that that you have the forget there is no condemnation of Christ that is probably the nicest summary of faith and and as long as you dwell in that things are going to happen the way they should happen although again uh, don't get cocky right don't don't get cocky because that's what happened. then that's the flip side like, oh man I, I'm doing good and everything's gonna be no no we're always going to be sinners we're always going to have to repent every day, Luther says. And that's part of it. That's part of the whole faith process. We repent and 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 then we, oh, okay, that's right. There's no condemnation of Christ. Now we can go back to, to loving and caring for people the way we want to. Um, and, and just one more thing, too, because, because you've kind of touched on this. See, there, there's a ditch on the other side of the road, isn't there? And you, you alluded to that earlier. And the ditch is to say, well, I'm forgiven, so I can do as I damn well please. In fact, Paul addresses that elsewhere, doesn't he, in, in one of his other letters. And we certainly don't want to do that, because then you're back into the flesh again, aren't you? You're back into the flesh. Because when you're in the Spirit, you're constantly aware of how sinful the flesh is, and that flesh brings nothing but death. And so we certainly don't want to just do what we want to do, because that'll never be good. Not for us and for nobody else either. So Let's move on for verse 9. Through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, 
Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, he continues that thought, of course, in the next section, but let's just take these few verses just for a couple of minutes so that we can finish up this thought process of St. Paul. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So the people to whom he is writing, he's sure to let them know that if they are uh, – you know, belong to the household of God, if they're, they have faith in Christ, which is something that is given to them, it's a condition, not something that they can do necessarily, then you're not in that flesh, right? Don't worry about the fact that I said the flesh is hostile to God and it doesn't submit to God's law because you're not in the flesh. I think the unstated binary opposite would be that if the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God and does not submit God's law and it can't, then when he says that you who are not in the flesh but in the spirit, he's implying there that you can submit to God's law. Now, I know there are no imperatives here, as you mentioned earlier, but I certainly think that's behind Paul's reasoning for explaining to his audience that you are not among those if you have faith that are hostile to God's law, that it, as he said earlier, already in the letter, God's law is a good thing. And, and, you know, see, that's, that's the cool thing because we've got all kinds of people out there who are not in the spirit and they would say, well, of course I agree with God's law. Of course I want to do whatever God's law says. But, but as we heard earlier, well, apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. So the irony is you think you're doing God's law, but you're actually hostile to God's law. Um, I, I can give you a perfect example of that, uh, the Pharisees. Because if you talk to the Pharisees, they would have said, well, of course we keep God's law. In fact, that's the thing, you know. We keep it a lot better than what most people do, and I can list a whole bunch of people. <laughs> no, Jesus says, you're not keeping the law. <laughs> you're actually hostile to the law. You, you're all concerned about the Sabbath day, and I'm telling you, if, if, if someone is sick on the Sabbath day, why wouldn't you heal them? Is that what the law is about? It's about love. It's about caring for people. No, no. No, you've actually taken the law and made it into the, the, the traditions of men. That That's what you've done. Um, the other thing, though, that's really neat about these passages that you just read, um, see, it has this if. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if you get out your Greek dictionary, uh, you will see that, that the word if, the word that is used there, can also be translated since. Um, see, the if in, in English kind of leaves a, a doubt. Uh, maybe it is or maybe it isn't. Uh, but my wife, who's a mathematician, was saying, well, you know, John, that's how it is in math. Uh, it doesn't imply uh, a doubt. It implies a statement of fact. If A, then B. That, that's how it is. Uh, and, and so what Paul is literally saying is, you, however, are not in the flesh. That, that's what you're, you're not that, but you're in the spirit. Uh, since, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. See, it goes back to that whole baptism thing. If you've been baptized, then you are in the spirit. That's just how it is, okay? Now, now of course, I'm not arguing that once saved, always saved because we can drive that spirit out. We, we can decide, I'm just going to let my flesh take control, push the spirit out of my life. Uh, but once the spirit comes into your life, you're, 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 
your free will, all that gets pushed out too. It's now the spirit who's calling the shots. It's now the spirit who's moving us in freedom to do these loving things. But I think when you read this, take, take every word that says if there and, and then re replace the word since. And I'll give you a really good example from something you're going to have tomorrow. But remember that passage says, if, if God be for us, who can be against us? Is, is the suggestion there that maybe God isn't for us? No, no, I think it's pretty clear. No, God is for us. And and because of that, since of that, then we can be sure that no one else is going to prevail over us as you'll have that beautiful passage, uh, you know, that finishes up Romans 8. Um, so that that's the point. Paul is saying, look, you're baptized, you're united with Jesus Christ, you are in the Spirit, and and because of that, although your body is dead because of sin, that's how it is. That's how the flesh is. I'm sorry, that'll never get better. But you know what? Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you're going to be raised too. In fact, you are being raised even now. Uh, if not in your your body, but certainly in, in the spirit who dwells in you. Um, in fact, I, I read this one book by a Professor Paulson, and he said... That spirit looks down at us and he sees Jesus and he says, well, I've got to raise Jesus. That's what I do. Right. I raise Jesus. And so he sees Jesus in us. And then then we get raised up to uh, uh, to this new life that, that you've been talking about. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you pointed out. The I, the fact that the Greek word I there can be it's it's a marker of condition. Right. So it can yes, be rendered exactly. if and it can be rendered since. And oftentimes the context has to let us know. And so we have other examples in scripture. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, the tempter says to Christ, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And in the English, that would probably work theologically if he would have said, if we would have translated that since you are the son of God. There are other areas, too, where it's not not as uh, clear. So, for instance, in Matthew, Jesus says uh, about Chorazin, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, but this, of course, had they had not been done. So to say since the mighty works would not have made sense, but it's the same Greek root. So it's just another example, folks, of why, you know, the difference between reading the scriptures in English, no matter the version you use, and say in the original languages or having access to someone who does is is the difference between say and this is an example i got from james veltz from concordia seminary but it's just a beautiful one he says it's the difference between you know what reading the english is like watching a soccer game on a black and white tv and reading it in the original languages is like watching the same soccer game in high definition the the score of the game doesn't change, but the vividness of what's being displayed definitely does. And this is just, I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a great example. And I like your advice there to translate those as since. It does make sense in this context because we believe that Christ's more pow powerful word does bring us to faith. It's not something we have to worry about. But we could also argue that maybe the English Standard Version's editors. Uh, appeal to some types of Christianity that might leave that doubt. And so they wanted to appeal to the lowest common denominator, but maybe that's beyond the scope of our study. 
Well, but 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 you know, I, I th- I'm glad you you brought that up because to me, what it reflects is the fact is just how powerful uh, the sinful flesh is, and how we think we think we're doing what the law of God is, and yet actually our actions are hostile to the law of God. Just like the Pharisees, they thought they thought they were doing the law so much better. But you know, right there. Whenever, if you start thinking you're doing it so much better than other, I'm thinking, yeah, you're probably not doing it at all then, are you? Because when you right. do it in freedom, you don't care about how other people are doing it. You just are doing it for you, right? Do, do you think the apple tree cares about what other trees are doing? No, I'm an apple tree. I'm bearing apples. I, I don't worry about what other trees might be doing. Uh, um, and and I, I do think, I do think when you read through the English translations, you can see sometimes that even in the best translators, that sinful flesh is at work. And, and we just, it's just, no, honestly, honestly, Pastor Boo, isn't it hard to believe there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you think there'd have to be a little bit of condemnation or a little bit of something we need to do, a little bit of where I know God well, does most of it. It's just too easy. It's too easy to our, especially our yeah. American minds that are taught to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and that you don't want to have charity. So, so I, I had Professor Klon at, at St. Louis, and, and man, he was the most difficult professor I ever had. He would give us a list of questions, and, and two-thirds of them I had. I didn't even know what he was asking, <laughs> a little <laughs> less giving him an answer. But, but he, he totally talked about a, a moment of, of, of uh, revelation because he said, you know, faith means you don't have to do anything. And I thought at first, man, if I preach that, no one would come to church the next week, right? You don't have to do anything. No one would come. And then I realized, oh, that is what we preach. There is no condemnation in Christ. And yet people do come and people listen to the Bible study and people love their neighbor because that's the freedom we're talking about. Honestly, once you understand faith, once you understand that Jesus Christ has done it all, I, everything just flows, just like I said, like you're a new tree, and, and all of a sudden it's just the most natural thing to do. Although I did love the analogy that Luther made, that even with trees, he said sometimes there isn't any fruit, but it doesn't mean there won't be. It just means mm-hmm. for that time, you know. Well, anyway, but I, 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 before we leave this too, I, don't you love this business about who raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Anybody out there who's listening to us, l- listen, you want to be a better person that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a resurrection. I'm sorry. Your your desire to be better will not. If you're dead, I don't care how much you desire to do good works. You're capable, incapable of doing anything. But again, that's what Paul said. You're not dead. You're not in the flesh anymore. You've got the spirit of God in you. You've got the very spirit that raises people from the dead. And he literally has raised us from the dead. Uh, and will raise us from the dead. Uh, Even the flesh is going to get taken care of in the future. But right now, we do have the Holy Spirit, and He's going to move us to do all kinds of good and loving things and move us to turn back to Christ when we fail. So, yeah. Well, with just 12 minutes left in the show, we definitely want to get in these last five verses because this is great. This is uh, we. We're talking about being heirs of with Christ. And uh, what does that mean? So let's find out. Verses 12 through 17, again, from the ESV. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, well, you know what I'm going to emphasize, the provided we suffer with him, but let's not start there. Let's start at the top. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. That seems to be what you've been talking about, right, brother? Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, uh, it's another example of that if we talked about before, because here the if is not since, is it? It's not since you live according to the flesh, right. but it is that, that other word, if. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But but it's as you said, it's, it's the same uh, point. It's the marker of a condition. If, if this happens, this is happening. And so that's a fact. Uh, you, you turn your life over to the flesh, there will be death. And, and, and here's the thing. There will be death, isn't there? We are going to die. Right. See, that that's the thing that's behind this. Again, Paul's not suggesting that somehow you're going to avoid that. Paul's reminding us, oh, well, you know what? I guess we could translate since there, couldn't we, in a, in a way? Because apparently we are going to all die, and, and uh, the wages of sin is death. Well, okay. But on the other <laughs> hand, since by the Spirit, we, see, this is the other reality. Oh, I'm going to go back. I'm sorry, Pastor Boo. Now you got me thinking. Maybe it's still <laughs> since there, you think? Yeah, since we're well, in the I, flesh, we're going to die. Yeah. I was thinking but, but about see, it, too. For since you're living according to the flesh, because you're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. But but see, we're since we still got the Spirit, too. We got the Spirit, and so so we're going to put to death the deeds of the body, and we're going to live. That's going to be a fact, too. That is a reality. That's a reality for every Christian that's listening to us. They're not totally controlled by the flesh. Oh, the flesh gets its blows in. No doubt about that. Even to the Apostle Paul, the things I, I want to do, I don't. But but no, no, we, we, we're going to live. We're going to live. And, and here's the thing I love about these verses. <sighs> Don't fall back into the spirit of slavery. Don't fall back into fear. Oh, man, Dr. Pastor, well, you're a doctor, too. I know that as well. <laughs> you, you, you don't make a big deal out of that, and good for you, because you don't want to be proud, but, but people need to know that. Uh, um, wow, isn't, isn't that what it is? That's the ultimate act of the flesh, isn't it? Well, I grew back up. Back into fear. I grew oh, up ahead, in a church. Ahead. I grew up in a church body, brother, where um, the idea was that each each week you were in church, there would be an altar call, and yeah. an altar call for those who may not know is an invitation by the pastor for you to give up your sinful ways, choose Christ, and dedicate your life to God. And what I always found amusing as I grew up in some of these very small churches, there's like 35 people there. There aren't visitors. These are people who've been going to this church and their families have been going to this church. And I used to look around and think, haven't all these people already given their hearts to Jesus? <laughs> like, don't you know? I mean, do we have to give an altar call every Sunday? Because it would also last a very long time. And for, you know, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, that's, that's you know, putting a lot of extra time on the church service. And you've just been watching the, the order of worship waiting for the end. So you, you look at around there and then 
typically what would happen is one of the elders would finally go up to the altar to rededicate his life to Jesus, mostly so that the pastor would quit asking and everybody could go to lunch. (laughs) So my point in saying this, though, is that there was also a practical side of this altar call that I didn't quite realize when I was a young teenager. And that's because in this particular church body, it was believed that once you fell into sin, you were outside of salvation. So every week was this constant striving to be perfect. And if you couldn't, and maybe I should say not if, but since you couldn't be perfect, you would come back to church and you would necessarily need to rededicate your life to Christ constantly because it was that deciding that saved you. And and sometimes that was followed by rebaptisms. Well, then I come into the Lutheran faith, and of course it's freeing with this clear proclamation of the gospel. But then every now and then you'll hear some rumblings of this kind of stuff. For instance, one person told me, and I know it's a, probably a common joke, they said, well, it seems like the best time to die would be, you know, tripping on your way back from receiving communion and hitting your head. <laughs> the idea being that, you know, you're not more perfect than you are in that moment before since you've received the forgiveness of Christ through the sacrament. Uh, and going home. So the point I'm trying to make, and I don't want to burn up our time, is that we sometimes think that way, that we forget the simul ustus epicator. We forget the being saints and sinners at the same time and that being a struggle. And I think that's the struggle that Paul's talking about. Yeah, and 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 uh, you use the Latin phrase there because that's exactly what he's talking about—that we are constantly both and. Uh, uh, and. And you're right; it's not that at some moment we're now more forgiven than we were before, but it, but it is a matter that it's so easy for us to fall back into the spirit of slavery, so easy for us to fall back into the fear. That's the ultimate act of the flesh to say, "Oh, look at you! You're not good. How can you believe that God loves and forgives you?" And, and so. So we have to go to the communion and we go back to the worship service, not because it's a good thing we're going to do and how God will like us now because we sat in the pew for an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes because we had that extra long altar call that makes us even better. Uh, But but, but no, it's the fact that that there is no condemnation in Christ. And we just want to be reminded of that so that when we have these feelings of slavery, when these feelings of fear, we can cry out, Abba, Father. No, God is our beloved Heavenly Father. He's never stopped being that. At no moment of time, even in the worst of our sins, He remained our Father. Of course, maybe in the worst of our sins, He would discipline us, because that's what fathers do who love their sons. They discipline their their children. That's what they do. But but see, you're right. That's that's the beautiful thing. No, you can die as you're walking away from the altar. Although now you got me scared about taking communion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say Check choke him. on the host, but I didn't want to be disrespectful. <laughs> oh, no, don't do that. Uh, but no, th- thank you for that's that's a beautiful reminder. Right now, right now, God is your Father. Uh, whatever might be worrying you and trouble you, that's the beautiful thing. And don't you love the word? The fact that we can call him Abba, which is kind of the the uh, Greek. Or, or actually it'd be the Hebrew uh, Aramaic way of, of saying um, daddy, 
daddy because father can be a scary thing but but daddies were never scary things they they were these people that loved us and cared for us and would welcome us no matter what um, my daughter would knock on my door when i was a, a working pastor and she'd cry out daddy daddy years ago and i'm thinking no one else would do that no one else would interrupt a pastor in his study he's doing important pastor stuff <laughs> but of course uh, the little girl she doesn't think of me as that important pastor she just thought of me as her daddy and why wouldn't daddy want to come and talk to her and and answer whatever her needs were well that's the relationship we have with our father our heavenly father and again how do we know that because we've been so good because we're just the most wonderful people in the world no we know that because there is no condemnation for those in christ and we have the holy spirit so there you go well brother we just have a couple minutes left in the show I'd like to leave our listening audience with a, an exceptional, hopefully well-crafted message of the gospel from our text. I'm going to leave that that job to you. Uh, still one of the hardest working pastors I know. But if you could leave them with a, a point of gospel and something they can share with their neighbors. Well, okay, so, so here's the thing. You, you pointed out that last passage, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Yes. And, and guess, guess what, Pastor Boo, the word provided there is just that same if word we've been talking about all along. I don't know why they had to put a big fancy English provided in there, because it's just that little Greek A there. And that's the thing. We are going to suffer. Everybody listen to me right now. I'm sorry, I wish I could tell you you were going to have a great, happy day, but I could about guarantee you there's going to be some problems and struggles, and there's probably things that you're worried about right now since, since we suffer with him. That is a fact and reality, but the other reality is, as you pointed out, we're the heirs. We're the heirs. We're the heirs with Christ. We know what happens to Christ when he suffers, don't we? Pastor Boo, we know what happens when he suffers. Yep. He is delivered. He is resurrected. He is taken into heaven. And I can tell you right now that that's a fact. That's not something you have to worry about. That's a fact. Don't fall back into that uh, slavery, that, that fear, because we are. We are the children and the word for children there in verse 17, that's a beautiful word because it's the word that means we're his children. Not children in general, but but uh, we're technon is the word there. And that means my child, the child that belongs to me. Um, and, and, and the school that's down from my house in Wazens, there's a bunch of children in there. But there's just a handful of grandchildren. And, and that's the kind of sense we have here that they're, they're God. We're, we are God's children. So is that helpful? Do you think that's something we want to share with people? I, I think it's have... wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to uh, thank my guest this morning, the Reverend John Lakomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFP Radio. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Pastor Boo. And I'm grateful to you, dear Christian, for listening to Thy Strong Word. I've been your host, Pastor Phil Boo. We will gather together around the scriptures again and continue our study of Paul's letter to the Romans. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you. As we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word. <laughs>